nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. So what exactly is the ego and what happens when it dies, also known as the dark night of the soul? In this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, my very special guest, Tanya Damaski, joins me to talk about the ego. We also go over Maslow's theory on the ego, as well as different states of consciousness and why people are starting to talk like robots. This is an episode you won't want to miss. And if you're a nurse, you get one CE going towards your nursing license for listening. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 and the well-written nurse empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Tanya Domeski. Hi, how you doing? Cool, cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. I loved your videos, like I was just telling you, on TikTok about the ego. So tell us about yourself and how you got so interested in the ego. Um, I had an experience back in my 20s, which is a really long time ago now. Um, and I, I had never meditated a day in my life. I'd never heard of, I mean, literally heard the word Buddhism, but had no idea what it was about. Um, didn't know about Hinduism. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And I started just really, I guess I just really got sick of myself one day and I just started trying to, um, read all the psychology books that I could to make any change that, I don't know, would help me feel more okay with myself, help me relate and connect more to other people. So, so what was going on? You're saying you didn't like yourself. Like, what does that mean? Like why? Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time. I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really conscious. It was, Mm -hmm. I just was feeling really disconnected from other people. And then as I started, sort of tried to, um, you know, pull everything out and look at it. Not liking myself was just a part of that, just not quite feeling comfortable in myself and um, just all the ways in society that we, you know, change our behaviors, our, you know, wear the masks. Yeah. All the ways that we uh, have the facades surrounding our everyday and they just started like just dumping out. They were just kind of unfolding in front of me in a way that I could not not see them. It's just, it was, it was everywhere. Like I had no idea how many insecurities I had. (laughs) Wow. So, so, and then, um, then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Through 
through that process of just going through and looking at myself and pulling out everything that I uh, didn't like, wasn't happy with, wasn't comfortable with, didn't feel safe with, um, <laughs> things started to get uh, really weird. Um, there was some psychic stuff that started happening and yeah. that is just an inevitable part of what happens. I think when you start taking a look at yourself doing, you know, shadow work, I guess. Um, and I wasn't really interested in that. It was kind of like, oh, that's, you know, neat that that's happening, but I'm just so on this mission to sort of get to the bottom of who I am, you know, who, who who am I without, you know, all this stuff that's been piled on me my whole life, all these ways that I've been told life is and how I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to be in comparison to other people. Um, and that unfolding just got deeper and deeper and deeper. It just got more and more and more towards the, the root of everything until it just became like, uh, I could just go, Oh, that's comparison competition. And just pluck that out. You know, that's, I could just go down the list and just pluck them out. And then one, one day I was just walking across my living room doing nothing in particular. And I felt this feeling that was like a draining. It was like, um, like if you're coming out of anesthesia, Mm -hmm. And I just felt this like chemical drain through, I wasn't on anything. <laughs> it, it just totally sporadically happened. And I could just feel it drain like from head to toe. And then suddenly there was just, there were no thoughts in my head. There was um, no time anymore. It, it was um, just a, a totally different level of, existence. I love that. I totally <laughs> love that. It's like you had that dark night of the soul, you know, that total ego death in a way. Yeah. Um, and, it, took, uh, it took a lot of years. I mean, it took quite, well, a couple of years, I guess I would say to kind of go through and peel everything out. Yeah. In my experience, it doesn't seem like you're ever really done. You know, it seems like there's always a little bit more, but once you go through the process a few times, you get it and you can kind of like stop yourself. So, um, like I, I was explaining to you, I was going through my, I think my major first one was, uh, in 1999 when I had gotten married and divorced in a span of six months. Uh, and it was massive, you know, cause here I am, I had achieved and worked towards everybody you know, the American dream, you know, I had, was a college, uh, I was college educated, gone to nursing school. I had someone to marry, you know, who was also college educated. We had bought a home. We'd, you know, gotten paid for our wedding, had this big wedding, you know, we were living in a great place and stuff. And it just was like, I felt so empty inside, you know, I go, why am I not happy? what is going on here? You know, um, I was just like, is this all there is, you know, and there was really nothing to, and then e immediately as I started asking those questions, my life started, like you said, it was like starting to crumble away from yeah. me, you know? And, um, and I really started to live my life much differently. Um, and like, 
you know, I was living my life on purpose where before I don't think I was like, whose purpose is this? Is this really my purpose? It seemed like a more consumeristic type of purpose, which is more egoic anyway. Um, and it's someone else's life almost, right. That you're trying to live in and be in. And, um, and, and yeah, but, um, and then I, I was having little ones here and there, you know, uh, that would happen. But I think the major one, like I was telling you, was in 2019 when I started to date someone that I was having massive dark nights of the soul. Like, um, and and I was always, and I also was going into um, perimenopausal symptoms, you know. So, and I think that nobody really puts that together, you know. Um, looking at a perimenopause and um, ego death because I think that that's what's really also going on you know, because there's a lot of um, crying, there's a lot of like emotional stuff, there's stuff that comes up. And like I said, when I was dating this person, we were triggering each other, but he was having the same thing going on too, where we would trigger and we would see these things in our head. And he was also very psychic, you know, we had a a lot of telepathic communications between us, uh, and we would do these uh, funky experiments and stuff, and, and they would all pan out. And, um, but yeah, I would, I would be seeing like this movie in my head of past experiences and, and it would just be like, whoa, what was that? You know? And he would have the same thing going on too. And I'm hearing more and more people talk about this and it's almost like that movie, if you've ever seen it with Jim Carrey, um, the spotless mind movie, I always get the beginning of it, uh, wrong where, they're going, um, you know, they're erasing each other's memories of each other, you know, because they don't want to go th- through those bad memories and, and in ra- erasing them, like uh, the girl that Jim Carrey is dating in the movie, um, she's like, hide me into one of your memories, you know, and he pulls her into this childhood memory. And it's just, it, it's really, it's really an interesting movie. I think it was, it was made way before it's time. So if you watch it, I, I'm sure people would watch it now and be like, oh my God, I'm totally going through that. Uh, so it's very interesting. So how did you start researching coming up with all these studies on your TikTok, which I think are genius. And I'd love to talk more about them. Uh, um, thank you. So, um, it's just been my attempt to really organize the information, um, mm-hmm. is why I started making the TikToks, um, themselves. And I started researching, researching, um, actually before the ego death happened, because I knew there was something very physical happening. I just knew. I mean, the first thing that occurred to me was, you know, this is obviously that has a lot to do with our neurotransmitters. Yes, definitely. This is a, this is a chemical change in my brain that's happening. There's something very physical going on. And so, um, I really started looking into that and following closely for the next 20 years um, as things developed, just to try to figure out, you know, what, what is this that happens? Why does it happen for some people and not others? Why does it stay for some people and not for others? Like for me, it happened twice. The first time was it lasted for three months and then uh, there was some time in between. And then the next time it lasted for two weeks. So, you know, I had, more questions than answers, really. 
And so I wanted to figure out, you know, what, what is, what is the physical part that's happening? I, I knew immediately that something was wrong. Like, like some, something's not right with us, right? Something's not right because, um, as I read through psychology, um, you know, that was just the, that's the method that I used as opposed to, you know, whatever modality other people use. And, um, you know, I was reading about biases and I was reading about our, um, just all, all of our processes, all those, you know, things that they call human nature. And, um, as I was reading through it and I would work on it and get rid of it, you know, it was just obvious to me from the beginning that, wait, no, this is not human nature. This is not natural to us. Right. These are symptoms. Yeah. These are symptoms. That's what these are. Of programming, right? Of programming or of, I didn't know at the time. I mean, now I would say that it's, um, I would definitely say that it's a disease that we have. Yeah. There's this, there's this one guy, sorry to cut you off. There's this one guy, I forget his last name is Levy, right? He talks about the Waitiko virus. Have you looked at that? No. His book is really great. Um, I read the first one and he talks about it like it's a mind virus uh, of Waitiko. And it's the, these indigenous people, I forget which ones it's been a, it's been a couple of years since I read the book. I think I read the book when COVID started to hit and, um, and it's really good. It's, it's huge. And he went through this too. And he, uh, is a Buddhist. So he talks about it, um, how he went through his dark night as a soul. And he realized that this is a mind virus, you know, and going back to indigenous people, they called it the Waitiko virus because it's infecting a lot of people. You know, a lot of people are very stuck in their ego programming and it's gotten worse. Like I don't ever remember it maybe because I'm more awake now. I don't know people ever acting this bizarre. You know, Mm. I I don't know if it's just me. I mean, I'll give you an example of like, for example, so I am an avid dater and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I've been single for a little over 20 years now and I do write another blog called Notoriously Single Girl, right? And and I've curved my dating quite a bit now because it's just, um, it seems like everybody, it's like every man I speak to is like this. So I don't know if there's something going on with me, with my programming that I'm, you know, keep seeing this and I, I gotta keep healing something out in my subconscious mind or what is going on because these guys start talking like robots. Um, I've realized a couple of them, um, had addictive patterns. Like one was, uh, I found out and and I was watching his behavior like he was an alcoholic and I think that he was sober when I met him and started to drink when I met him and then uh, just started going downhill and really started to he he tried to like hide it from me but I'd be like what are you doing I, I kind of was having some cognitive dissonance going on in my head like am I seeing what I'm seeing you know mm-hmm. and I would have this like fawn phase where I would just be like kind of like stuck and and watching him and be like, I can't believe he's, does he know what I do for a living? Like he's actually sitting in front of me, just drinking and drinking and drinking. And I was watching this and I go, I think this is happening because 
I need to do something about it. Like, I, you know, maybe not with him or, you know, and, and, and stuff, but towards the end. And, and I, so when you were telling your story in the beginning, and, and I'll go back to the guys that I'm dating and how they talk, you were saying that you were looking inside yourself. Have you ever watched the movie Amelie? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So in Amelie, I just rewatched it. Um, Cause again, it came out in 1999 and it's not streaming anywhere. You got to get it from the library or you got to buy the GVG, right? And um, so in Amelie, what's happening is that she um, is trying to figure out herself, like she's having an ego death. Mm-hmm. And as in, and she's um, in like a solitude place in her life, right? Um, kind of like what you were going through. So what she starts to do is she starts to play these like practical jokes on other people in a way, or starts sending them stuff and, and starts doing these wacky things. And what that does is it knocks these people out of their ego. Like mm-hmm. it just wakes them up, you know, and, and it brings them to the conscious moment. And so I do that. I do that a lot, you know, like I'll um, send stuff in the mail because who gets stuff in the mail that's personal anymore other than it, like Christmas time, you know, very rarely. Mm-hmm. So there's something special about getting something in the mail, you know, that's personal to someone and that's written in handwriting. Cause again, who sends anything handwritten anymore? Not very many yeah. people, <laughs> you know? And with one of the other guys that I was dating, the one that I was telling you, I was having these experiences with, like he was very stuck in ego programming um, and, and something very interesting. I'm, I'm looking at ghost in the machine. Have you ever, um, maybe that's another video for you to kind of talk about too. Uh, I was, I was talking about it with one of my psychic friends and he brought this up. He goes, ghost in the machine, ghost in the machine is when someone's consciousness is um, disconnected from their body right? And they're speaking to you from another place, right? So it's either through electronics or you are connecting with their higher self. This happens with me a lot. And I've had um, uh, a hypnotherapist, a pediatric hypnotherapist on the show who was the president of the hypnotherapy society. So people don't think I'm crazy here, you know? And I asked him, I was like, okay, this is what I hear. And I, he goes, oh, no, you're real psychic there. You're, you're listening to other people's um, higher self because they're disconnected from it because they're in, stuck in their ego programming. So maybe it's because of this white ego virus or whatever's going on. Right. So with this guy that I was dating that we were having these experiences with that was stuck in ego programming, like I was going to break up with him one day. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know what this is, you know, at the very beginning. And um. I'm ta- I'm consulting for his company. I'm talking to him on the phone. I hear him say, and his voice changes, and it feels like he's somewhere else. And he says, I knew you were the right person for this job. <laughs> You're the one who can help me. And I was like, what? You know? Yeah. Right? So we started, you know, our our. Ad- our journey together was a little bit wacky and I made it even more wackier because I, whenever I would into it, I would just do like, I would write him this, this series of letters. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, it was just pretty funky and stuff. And I would just send him these wacky things in the mail or I would, 
you know, we would have dinners together and I would buy like these just odd little things and he loved them, you know, and a lot of times it was very psychic intuitive. Like one day it was like Father's Day and I bought him a bag full of just tchotchke stuff like creams you know men's stuff and and I bought him a magazine um and I don't know why I bought him this magazine I was like eh, Esquire magazine I don't know you know I just threw it in the bag it happened to be his favorite magazine and he just woke up like he was having this you know so all these little things were helping him to wake up and break free of his ego programming and stuff and, and it was pretty wild um and I see that now like you know um if, if I get the intuition I do it and it's pretty fun you know uh That's it's fun. pretty interesting it's like I've gotten into my superhero powers you know and it's almost like the universe is like okay are you accepting who you are now? Because this is who you are. And it, and it is a lot of fun to watch people wake up and, and people come into their purpose. Because I have a lot of people telling me, oh, look, I really love doing this. And I was like, well, you know, you could, da, 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 no, you know, they get, because again, you talk a lot about fear in ego programming, right? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you touch up upon that? Um, well, everything at the root is fear. Absolutely everything boils down to fear. And at the, if you can get to the, like, if you could go straight there, you could just go to the deepest fear, which for absolutely everybody is death, right? Because that, because that's what the ego thinks anytime you change. Any little change you make, the ego views as death. So it's right. really fun and interesting that you're finding ways to make these fun changes because it kind of like gets the gets the ego to relax and go like, oh, okay, so change can be fun. Yes, I love that. You know, yes. like it breaks us out of the monotony. And it's so, I think, important to include that when you're making changes, to include those little fun things because, you know, it, Otherwise you just go into resistance and you don't want to make any changes. Like even the smallest change, it becomes just feels horrible. And so it's like, you kind of have to trick it <laughs> because right. it's really just trying to protect you. Like it views your emotion, any emotion that you view as negative, any of those, it views it as danger. Right. So fight or flight. And it, it, it throws out your fight or flight, right? It goes crazy. Like it just, it's like, it's everything is going to be death. So it, it's not um, like that's going to be uncomfortable for you and you can handle that. It's like, oh my God, that's going to be death. Like the ultimate fear. Like it's just that part of the brain is just not behaving the way it's meant to right now. And almost everybody on the face of the earth. It's, it's very, very true, you know, and, um, you're onto something. That's why I was just like, I have to have her on the show because this is like, you were totally onto something. Um, yeah. Cause from my experience, cause this has been going on for quite a bit for me. All right. Like I even sat on the beach. So I have these very mystical, magical experiences and, and people who take my storytelling classes also have these experiences like they are drawn to taking my classes you know and i've had people come drive six hours from arizona and stuff because they need to share these stories 
you know, in, um, in a very non-judgmental uh, area. Right. Yeah. And um, like, for example, one day I was sitting on the beach, this little girl comes over and she's talking to me. I think she's about four years old. She's, you know, and, and her mom is like, Oh, you know, her mom has twin boys. And she's like, Oh, do you, you know, is she bothering you? I go, no, nah, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. She's fine. And she kind of was mimicking things that I was doing. She was like very, very chatty, but it's interesting. She came running to me and she was, and kids are stuck in their ego, right? From usually zero to seven, because it's all me, me, me. You know, we, we have like Eric Erickson's talks about that. I think it's identity versus inferiority, right? Something like that. Um, and, and so they're trying to, uh, their ego is trying to establish who they are in the world, like identity, right? And um, the separation from the mother, usually at age one, when the child starts to like uh, walk and, and be their own separate entity, right? And that's usually when it happens. So this little girl comes running out of the water and she's like, her eyes are huge. Like she's in fight or flight, right? And she tells me, my daddy just lost his sunglasses in the ocean and she's like freaking out and I go to her and I look at her and we're having this moment it's like our brain waves connect right and it's like I feel connected to this child and something is happening right and I go to her and it's like my voice changes and I go and I say that is not for you to worry about you know he will be okay and he can buy himself a new pair of glasses. And she just starts laughing. All of a sudden, she snaps out of fight or flight and she's like, ha, 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 You are right. You are right. You know, and, and, and she sits down next to me and start, you know, we start playing in the sand and stuff. And, um, you know, and she just starts talking and then she goes, who are you talking? Cause then I, I started texting someone and she goes, who are you texting? And I go, I'm texting a boy. And she goes, boys are a distraction. Like, <laughs> she knows little genius started <laughs> laughing. And, and then her mother looks over and she's like, what did she say? And I go, she said, boys are, she asked, you know, I tell her story. She said, boys are a distraction. She started laughing. She goes, oh, I, I taught her that, you know? So she's got this like programming going on too. So it's so funny. And then I, you know, start asking her about like the normal, like I, I would a four-year-old who comes into my clinic. Like I started asking her about if she has friends, who's her best friend, you know, where does she go to school? What her teacher's name is, all that stuff. And she starts telling me about her friends. She's like, yeah, it's so-and-so and so-and-so, but um, that Eloise. And I go, what's up with Eloise? She's like, she goes, I just don't like her. And I go, why? She goes, she's just mean to me. And I go, what does she do to you? And she goes, she just pushes me. She makes fun of me. And, you know, she says things and she gives me dirty looks. And, and I go like this to her, I go, you know, um, it's really not Eloise's fault. It's just her mother that's programmed her to be that way, you know? And I go, next time you see Eloise, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go up to her and you're going to be like, snap out of it, Eloise. <laughs> and she just starts cracking up. She's like, uh -huh. I love that. I love that. Snap out of it. She goes, I can't snap, but, but I'm just going to go up to her and go snap out of it. <laughs>
That is so cute. Yeah. And they know, they know that too, when they hear stuff like that, it's like, they're still close to, they don't have all the programming. Exactly. Yeah. So they know when they hear the truth, like they do, they just, they, they know it. One, um, gosh, one night I, I was, um, talking to my son, I forget what about, but I, I was, um, or how it came up, but I was telling him, I know that you know more than me because I know that you children are sent here. And he was like, I don't know, maybe four, five, something like that. But, you know, I just was like, I know, you know, things. I was just looking him dead in the eyes. I know you remember (laughs) things, you know? And he just put his face, his hand on my face. And he was like, uh, I know, mom, I know. And then he showed me the universe. I love it. It was, just, it's nothing he remembers, but it was just this conversation. I can't even remember the details of, but that moment I remember when he was like, I know mom. And he put, and it was like for an instant, he snapped out of being a human child and went right back to being an infant being and showed me. And then right back to himself and turned around and just walked off and went and climbed into bed and went to bed, went to sleep. Yep. Yep. It gives me chills. It's, it's amazing when you can connect with a person with those brain waves and you were saying you were having similar experiences. Um, and that's what was happening with the guy that I was dating. We would let just lock in and, Um, I've had people that I've come in contact that could read my thoughts or it's like, you know, I have, um, a friend here that I see, uh, in Palm Springs at the coffee shop all the time. I call him my coffee shop boyfriend. And, um, he just, I always know when he's going to be there. He always knows when I'm going to be there. Like when he needs to talk to me, it's like a psychic thing. Like I'll call him or vice versa, you know? And he's like, I need your, you know, your advice or I, you know, he helped me out. Like I had this anxiety one day. Um, cause I, I was going through something and I was just like, God, who do I call? And I, I go, I go, you know, I need to get rid of this feeling inside of me and what do I need to do? And the first thing was like, call, you know, this person and I go ahead and I call him and he answers immediately. And he goes, I know what's going on with you. <laughs> I tell him and he, he had the advice that I needed, you know, um, he was, he was that the messenger that I needed to speak to who helped me to move over that threshold, you know, which was super cool. And um, I do that vice versa for him. But it's so neat when you can encounter that person. Another thing that I've encountered, which is weird, and my mother started to um, have this situation, when you're speaking to someone, but something happens to your frontal lobe. Like with me, what I feel like is like someone's scrambling my brain when I'm speaking to them. And that's how I know they're in off that something's not right with them. You know, um, I I worked with um, a doctor who kept doing this. It was really, really creepy. He was doing a lot of nefarious things that I figured out right away. And he couldn't figure out. He's like, how do you know all this? <laughs> like people were coming to me. They're like, God, you've only been here six weeks and you know it all. And like, you know what's going on here. And I go, 
I know I'm psychic. Like it, it was, it was very in your face. Like I go, you people just don't want to see it. Right. A lot of the times, a lot of the times it's like, people know it's happening, but they don't want to acknowledge it. Cause once you acknowledge it, then you got to do something about it, you know? Yeah. And if you don't, you are liable you know, maybe, maybe not here, you know, but now it's stuck in your ego programming. Now it's like, no, 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 no. You know, this, you know, this is going to create anxiety and and crap for you, you know? Right. And so, it is constantly. Yeah. I mean, and, and my yeah. mother started noticing that because we went to, we go on walks in her neighborhood and, um, we were talking to this one woman and she saw that I was connecting with her you know, and, and she was an anthropologist and I had wanted to be an anthropologist and she's doing, um, amazing stuff with like, um, AIDS research and they send her all over the world. And she works with this company and she used to, uh, she's done a documentary film. I want to do a documentary film, you know, just awesome stuff. And we're like, she's around my age, you know? And so my mom goes like this, my mom goes, after we talked to her, she goes, isn't she a nice person? She goes, when you talk to her, you're like, connecting with her and I go yeah we're connecting from heart space she's not an ego person like she she knows her shit you know she's like yeah that's a part of what I do that's just not me it's not the I it's the same thing like she's mm-hmm. probably experienced ego death you know um and, and we were connecting she goes she's do you notice that like my mom kind of like is going through the same thing too my mom's like 78 and she'll be like and she'll have sinks and stuff and 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 she'll be like do you notice that when you talk to some people like it's you're connecting and there's this energy she goes but then when you certain people you just like it's i go yeah cuz they're they're stuck in their ego program there's something wrong with them you know and like you were saying like one in four people that stat are diagnosed with a have a mental illness right not diagnosed really i totally believe that um i think well, one in four is the estimation based on the diagnosis from what I understand. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's just who they know about. And then if you add in just, you know, you have to guess how many people are, um, aren't asking for help at all. How many people, how many men who just would never ask. Oh, yeah. no men don't what. ask for help. I I've gotten lots of men into therapy. Yeah. But, and, and it's just like, and that's why they'll go to women and, and be like that. You're my therapist, you know? And so, and they won't give back, yeah. you know, it's like, I told you my coffee shop boyfriend, he gives back. We're like, boom, 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 boom. Like he helps me. Yeah. I help him, you know? And we, and we both are kind of on the same wavelength, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's, it's a, it's a good, you know, back and forth, but a, a lot of men are not like, they'll just take and they don't understand. And they're like, Oh, it's because the women are too much in their masculine. And because now we have this other programming, which I was into for a bit, masculine and feminine. And sure, some women are more masculine and some men are more feminine. Sure. I don't think that's it. You know, I, I really don't, you know, because um, again, now we're creating another ego construct here. You know, really what it is, is that they're, they don't understand that from the heart space, it's, it's like, there's like so much flow, you know, and stuff. Yeah. I, um, I don't date at all. I have (laughs) completely stopped and I'm 
completely done. Um, and I made this decision because I kept, you were talking about, um, you view them as robots, but yeah. to me, like, so the, <laughs> the way I view it is like, I think of them as like eyeshadow palettes. Like there's only five kinds, like there's only five, you know, or three or five or whatever it is palettes because, because it's all these personality types that have been manufactured by our societal expectations. Yes. And yes. so what all they do is they loop and they have no idea who they are as people. And yes. unfortunately for them, women have been l- taking a good look at ourselves ever since, uh, you know, our generation and they're, right. they're only getting better at it. So um, they're just so far behind and they have these yeah. personality types that they just, they hug and they hold on to for dear life and they refuse to see outside of it. So they're one of these, like maybe three eyeshadow palettes and there's no substance to them because they haven't delved in to see what else is there because of the way men function and operate in our society is just, they read things, they regurgitate things, they check in to make sure that the other men are reading and regurgitating the same things. Yes. And then they pat each other on the back and that's it. Right. Right. That's your your personality. Right on. And, and it's like, you know, and I had to look at this because I was like, is it me or is there something going on? But then you see all these women on TikTok saying the same thing. So yeah. something's going on. So it's like a weird mind virus, you know, because right. I just talked to yeah. one guy on the phone who was so stuck in ego. He was uh, um, on paper. He looked great. He was an engineer. Right. So, uh, which engineers are very stuck in ego program and not to, not to discount engineers out there. You know, I have an uncle who's an engineer and he's a very super smart man, you know, but when Mm. he gets stuck in his ego, he is not a nice person, you know, and, um, and science is a religion too. Huh? Science Science is is a religion too. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, but when my uncle is in his heart space, cause he does, um, love like he'll he's he's a writer he's a painter he's uh he plays guitar and it's funny I I went to his home and he was having a manic episode Uh, and he lives in Italy and his wife is literally a saint because she takes care of him um and and his ups and downs and he's a very brilliant man um and I I went to go um see him my cousin took me to see him and he just looked absolutely terrible Um, and he was having this episode and in his home, um, he had like his artwork was up. He had his, um, gardening that was there. He had his guitar, you know? And so I was looking and it was like, oh, you're a writer too. Cause it had, he had his poems up, you know, very done very beautifully, you know? And I was like, I'm a writer too. You know, we were connected because I don't really talk, you know, he's kind of like that person that he's, that nobody really talked to. Because he's very eccentric and and very, you know, and he goes like this. He goes, not anymore, not anymore in Italian. He's like, he's like, and I go, oh, and your guitar. And he's like, no. So anything creative, because he was so stuck in his ego when he was going through this episode, he was like shutting down. Yeah. And no, you know, um, resistance, just stuck in resistance. Very stuck in resistance, you know. And, um, and, you know, so he went into his bedroom, whatever. And his wife, my aunt was like, um, I'm very sorry. I need to vet. I go, well, I'm a nurse, you know, you can vet, I get it, you know, and, um, and, and this is okay. 
uh, and stuff. And, and she told me how difficult it was to deal with him. Um, and, and there's, and I, my grandmother committed suicide. So there, there's a lot of there's trauma and in, intense, mm. intense, wild trauma there, you know, and he was, this guy was the youngest and, um, and my cousins always say like, oh, he was the golden child, you know, and which is very interesting. So I remember like a couple of weeks later, um, I was at like some festival and stuff with one of my cousins. And all of a sudden he comes up to me like from in the back. <laughs> it was a little, I was like, who is that? Like and he starts to whisper in my ear that he was sorry. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> they creeped me out. What's <laughs> up, creepy uncle? <laughs> Yo, he makes for great writing. I was just <laughs> there. Yeah, poor guy. You know, like he was so like, you know, I'm trying to get out of my ego, but I'm stuck. You know. Yeah. And I see this with a lot of the men that I date because they don't like this other guy, the, the, um, uh, the guy that, um, uh, the guy that I was just talking about, I met on Bumble, um, who is also an engineer. He's kind of like that. He's like, talk, 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 cutting me off, cutting me off. You know, I couldn't talk. He created my whole entire life for me. Like, like I just told him, I, I go, oh, but you know, instead of just like having a conversation, like he couldn't even have a conversation with him. It was really weird. And he kept wanting, you know, and we talked on the phone like two or three times because like, this guy's kind of interesting. You know, I'm going to let it go because a lot of it, I'm writing a date on conscious uh, dating. I'm writing a book on conscious dating. And so I, I like to see these personality types. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I, I'm trying to crack it. Right. And he was like, tuck, 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 you know, and he was so rigid and, and um, anything that didn't uh, make money was like terrible, like anything creative was, but, but yet um, it, it was just bizarre. And I was like, I can't go out. I go, I need to go to therapy now. <laughs> I need to, I had to sit. I mean, I just wasn't feeling good. You know, I was like, it was not a good feeling. I needed to journal. I needed to shift stuff. I go, who is this guy really like? I go, oh my God, he reminds me of my dad, you know, but my dad's not even that bad anymore. Like I, I go, God, I did so much work on myself to, you know, get over that and set those boundaries. Now this guy just was like, you know, I was like, whoa, I had to really, you know, uh, check my balance with that. But it was like, yeah. You know, and I and I see psychically these guys. This is how I see them that they're stuck in prisons. You know, and and want to get out. The doors are open, but they can't. You know, yeah. Um, and it, and it's very sad. And, and you know, and 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 some of them that are open to it. And I tell them, I go, you know, you're in your heart space, and you just trust stuff. Things start to happen. You know, mm. and it's hard sometimes. You know, um. Even for me, like I had, uh, this is another thing that people who are so stuck in their egos, what they'll do is it can kind of get a little dangerous because they'll try to manipulate you and get you to do something, you know, and they'll start being like real nice, you know, mm. 
And, and sometimes I can tell, but I have to be in the right frame of mind to deal with them, you know, cause I'll be like, yeah, cool. You know, and I'm talking to you, like I'm talking to you and, and then you think everybody's like you and they're really not, you know? And so then those people will, you know, either they don't understand how to do business and they're like, oh no, I can't pay you right now. You're going to get paid in four weeks. And you're just like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do this. So, <laughs> like, you know, but, um, yeah, just wild stuff. I'm not dating actively myself anymore. I mean, especially after this guy, because it's it's not, um, I don't want to say not safe. It's just like, it's kind of a waste of my time at this yeah. point. You know, it's just like, wow, you need this guy. It's like, um, go do some work on yourself, you know, or, or do you even realize? Cause I, I had to tell him cause he kept asking me out. I was like, you've put me down you put my school down. You put, um, my podcast down. You didn't even need to listen to it. You put my car down, you know, it, it's like every, like in a joking way, I go, that's just not okay. You're you've now devalued me, you know, right. and, and people call it narcissism. Oh, they're just narcissists. Cause you get the love bomb and then you get the devalue. That's a program, you know? Okay. I'm yeah. over that. Yeah. I went through that way. I don't think that that's what's going on anymore. You know, um, it's something else, you know? And again, it goes back to child trauma and it goes back to people not wanting to heal and, um, stuff. So what do you think? I mean, um, <laughs> I know it's so much. <laughs> I, um, oh boy. Um, yeah. They're just a uh, women's level of awareness is raised so much. Right. And so you're like, you're going to keep, I know like the tempting thing I think is for us to go like, how is it my fault? How is it my fault? How is it my fault? Right. right? Like, yeah. Like, what have I not worked on that? I'm bumping into this. Well, when really what all we're bumping into is other people who are how they are. You know, yes. I love the idea that I would reach a point where I only have people who are at a higher level awareness around me and my interactions in my everyday life. But the fact is that we walk around and the world is mostly full of unawake people. Yeah, That's the fact. And it has nothing to do with you. You can go on as many dates as you want, you know, or have as many interactions at the grocery store, whatever you're doing every day. And you're going to mostly come up against unaware people. Yep. Yep. And I that's, do that. That's a fact. It gets, yeah. it gets, you know, lonely out there. The more, the more your awareness, yeah, the more and you're the... seeing those things, the more you see them not because there's more of them and not because you're chasing some, you know, problem you haven't worked out within yourself. But because that's how it is. That's the majority of people. And you all you can do is get better at identifying that and stepping yeah. away. And yeah. like the option right now, if most men or people, I mean, in this case, men in the dating scenario, if they're not awake, you don't have options. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Right. We've been trying to grab them and wake them up. That's what women have been trying to do for the last 30,000 years. Yeah. You know, we haven't gotten far if, if anywhere at all. And right. I think that's why we're seeing, you know, generation Z, right? Right. Generation Z, just step back and say, I'll have nothing to do with you at all. Yeah. yeah. Because they're, they're not, they watched us try to fix men and now they're going, yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to be fixing men. Yeah. That's yeah. up to them to fix themselves or they won't. And I'm cool. 
Like but I they have don't my even friends. know. They don't even know what's wrong with them. I mean, like my co-producer for the show, John, he's gone to therapy. You know, we've talked about it and stuff. And um, and, and I asked him, like, okay, well, you know, what made you do it? Why did you go? And he goes, I wanted to be a better husband for my wife. Uh, isn't that not freaking amazing? Yes. That's freaking amazing. Definitely how it should be. That's a very enlightened man. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and and he's great, you know, and I was just like, geez, that's, that's awesome. Like, yeah, Yeah. you know, but for him to really, but that's what it's really all about. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what you're here on this planet to do. So with ego, it's identity, right? So all these men identify themselves with their work. Like, I can't even tell you, like, even if they don't have this high power CEO job or whatever, like, I remember I was going out on a date with a guy um, who was a, a caddy, like he was 16, he's kind of like semi-retired and he was doing this caddy work just really for fun so he could play golf for free, right? Which is great, right? I had gone out on a coffee date with him. He was really stuck in his ego. And I was like, oh, another one of these poor me's, you know, so it's that other one, you know, like you said, there's these you know, color palettes. And I go, Oh, he's the poor me one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I go, mm, maybe I'll give him another date just to see, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but psychically I was like, what is it in myself that I am trying to clear? And it was self-worth, you know? Okay. I have self-worth yeah. for myself. Sure. Im- immediately he goes and cancels the date. And I told the story on my TikTok, right? Like I, I get like a, a cancellation the next day. Right. And, um, and I was like, that's interesting. And he goes, well, I have to work and I had to cover for somebody. And he makes it, I was like, You're a ca-. not to minimize his job, but mm-hmm. really. And he got off at six. So I was like, well, if you, you know, and I was just like, I'm not even doing this anymore. You know, so, so he goes, do you want to reschedule? And I was like, no, so, you know, it's like basic. And I'm just like, I can't, I don't even have the, the brain power for this um, anymore. So uh, it's pretty crazy, but um, yeah. Um, so going through, I'm really curious about the DMN and the default mode network. If you could talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. Um, I just about did cartwheels when I first started hearing about it because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like I said, I I was just going, okay, what, you know, what are the pieces of the brain where this is happening? And the default mode network is this part of the brain that is just going ballistic. Like it's just, it's a basically a fear factory. It's just creating fears for things that don't exist. It's, it's um, like we've all met people who just really think they're smart because they're like serious naysayers. They can just find a negative thing to say about anything, right? Right, like, so that's, right. That's like the expansive, um, you know, way to understand it. But all for all of us, every last one of us, that's happening in our brain all the time. That's all it's doing in there. It's just how do I protect me? What could be a threat to me? And just making up. Uh, problems that could happen in the future by uh, going, okay, all of these things happened to me in the past and any one of them could happen again at any second. So I got to have my guard up and be looking out for anything that could cause me danger. 
you know? And like I said, it's a, it's, it thinks it's like that codependent, you know, friend or relative where they really think they're doing good things for you, but it's really just propping themselves up. You know, know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because, um, as an entrepreneur myself, so I, um, have clients that uh, will contact me and I've noticed this and I'm not putting mothers down. Like I said, I've, I've worked in pediatrics for 25 years. I love moms. You know, I wish I had kids myself, um, but I don't, you know. Um, so here's the thing. These moms who are mompreneurs who have small children um, do that. They tend to micromanage and I've had about four of them now. Uh, that I can, I was like, okay, it's like I have my own little study going on because they all do the same thing. They're speaking to me while they're taking care of their children. Okay. And um, I have to now I go for my own personal thing. Uh, It's great. Like I said, that's fine if you could do it, but this is what's going on. They're now in their ego because now they're in mom mode. Okay. They're not in, in like I'm CEO, you know, cause I talk about archetypes. So they're not in that CEO archetype. They're in the mom archetype. So when they're speaking to me, they keep repeating things. Like I'm a three-year-old over and over again, over and over again. This is what I've noticed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will send me obsessive text mails over and over again. Like this is like, now I'm being micromanaged by this person. Um, and, right. and they're asking me over and over again, did you get this? Did you get this? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Like I'm their child. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, um, okay. And so then I have to take a step back and I will not work with these women. Um, like either they pay me and I'm like, either if it's like, I'm writing a blog for them or, or they're taking one of my classes, it's like, I have to take charge, you know, but this recently happened again with this woman who, um, tried to hire me for a, um, advocacy gig, which I was like, fine, I'll go check it out and do it. You know, I'm always open to doing something new in the nursing profession. Uh, I've been a nurse practitioner for 17 years and I had to go sit up on a medical exam and and make sure that these people were being taken care of properly, you know, it was for a court case. And um, I was like, fine, like, you know, I've done exams myself, watched people, taught people. I've taught at four universities, you know, whatever. I'm pretty competent, you know. Uh, and she kept like it, she took her two hours to explain to me what to do. And I was still very confused. And I was like looking at it. I go, this seems pretty basic, you know, pretty detailed, but all right. Uh, and then she kept texting me before. It's like, okay, did you get this? And did you do this? And did you do that? I go, girl, this is like a, a quickie thing. I go, you know, I've been an MP for 17 years. Not to, I had to set a boundary, you know. I go, you have yeah. to trust me. You know, I'm not three. <laughs> so it's like they're, they're, you know, it's this fear. Like, is she going to do a good job, you know? And Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of trust when you're in these things. Like I write for editors all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of late with my deadlines. Sure. You know, but it's, I don't even know these people. Like I don't even talk to them on the phone. It's like an exchange, you know, and there's this kind of knowing, you know, and I get paid. Mm -hmm. 
So that's just how it happens. It's like quick, boom, boom, you know? And so mm-hmm. this, I was just like, okay, here we go. You know, like it's, it's very time consuming for me. And now I'm sucked into their world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, and I, they don't realize it. And then it's like, okay, so when am I going to get paid? I need to be paid for, oh no, you're not going to get paid. You know, you're not going to get paid until then. Cause this is what happened. I was like, well, we're not doing this. Sorry. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, it's like, you know, so, so it's interesting what you said about that because, but people, they don't even realize that they're doing it. And, and it's just like, it's so like, like, yeah. programmed, you know, and I'm like, you know, you had, you're talking to an adult and who is an experienced professional and you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's all very, very interesting. So yeah. Maslow, I love Maslow hierarchy of needs, you know, which nobody really is talking about anymore. Um, but we really need to start talking about Maslow. Oh, we need to bring that back 110%. There, there's, yeah. He was so right in a way that nobody has come close to ever since. Just absolutely correct on every level. And he's the only one who even made an attempt to, um, to figure out, you know, like what is healthy. Like, yeah. what does a healthy brain actually look like? Because nobody actually knows right now. Absolutely nobody, no. not neuroscientists, not, I mean, nobody, nobody has gotten, they haven't gotten that far with the understanding of the brain to have any clue what that looks like. Um, the only, the only research that's being done that's studying a healthy brain, um, they're not even considering it a healthy brain. They're not even considering it that way. They're just looking at what happens when people go through ego death. Mm-hmm. And that all kind of started on accident to begin with. Right. With so, that MRI, that one doctor who was doing MRIs, I forget his name. Uh, you brought him up in one of your, re- your videos. I looked him up on his Wikipedia, but he's, he's a neuroscientist, right? Or, or a neural, is he a neurosurgeon or neurologist? Something like that, right? Well, there's, um, so there's either Robin Carhart Harris. I'm not sure exactly who I was referring to Robin Carhart Harris, who works with psychedelics or Judson Brewer, who works with meditators or, um, uh, Rachel. What is, I, I wrote it down. Hold on. I'll get it. <laughs> I knew I'd forget. Marcus, Marcus Rakel. I think um, it's Marcus Rakel. Yeah. The doctor. Yeah. Um, but I, was I okay. 2001 ahead. when he, um, he, he's the one that's credited. He's credited with finding the, the default mode network. He didn't actually, but he's the first one who kind of, I guess you could say proved it. So he, he gets the credit. <laughs> right. I think that's cool. So psychedelics can help us transcend, right? The ego, correct? And Mm -hmm. and so, so what do you know about that? Like, what is your research on the psilocybins? Because now we're seeing um, mushrooms being very um, popular in treatments of depression and and stuff. Mm -hmm. My research that I've delved into, I'm reading Power Versus Force. I don't know if you've read Power Power versus Force, which is a great book. I forget the um, the author of it, but it goes over this um, structure of uh, where we're at. So, like, fear and shame is very low vibration, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And then um, once you're going, it has all these 
steps like, okay, depression, da, 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 da. And then you're in this euphoric state to where these yogis will get into this high euphoric state. And that's when their psychic abilities are awesome. And they've like been sent to cities and they've been able to shift like the consciousness uh, of what is going on there, you know, which is very interesting. What I found in my experience with some of the men that I'm dating who have uh, trouble with substances is they're stuck in guilt and shame. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they're using these substances to get to euphoria, right? right? Okay. And so when they're doing that, and I have friends in recovery who have explained this to me, it's almost like they're creating um, a, a persona, an, another persona, um, like a dissociative identity of sorts. And they, my friends have said, they're like, you're not dating the true person. You're dating this identity when they're fun you know, but they cannot maintain that euphoria. They mm -hmm. cannot maintain that level of consciousness where you're at. Like they're trying to get to where you're at, but you're so high that they can't get there. You know, um, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, but, but I mean, that's, like what I've seen. So, so with the psychedelics, like what does that do? Does it, it helps you get into that euphoria, right? Um, so there is a euphoria that can come. So there's ego death and then there's another level. And I only personally talk about them in these two levels, because to me, anything below it is unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, ego death is where the healthy brain starts. And I mean, a full-blown ego death where literally a part of your brain shuts off. Yeah. Where the default mode network, the activity in it drops off and it's verifiable. They have it on um, fMRIs and the characteristics. So like there's all kinds of things that can happen bef before healthy when we're on our way to having the healthy brain. But until uh -huh. that moment where, where literally the um, default mode network activity drops off, I don't consider anything before that ego death. That is ego death. When the ego dies, when the part of the brain that is the ego stops working, yeah. that's the point that I can say. So we can have these little moments where, you know, little pieces of ego die and that sort of thing. But um, to have a full-blown ego death, that's what has to happen. Literally, it has an effect on the brain where that part, the activity in that part of the brain drops off. And the so psychedelics can do that, right? There's that, the psychedelics, um, psychedelics and meditation both have been caught on FM. They've, they're fMRI images of people at that point. And then there's a second part and that's the euphoria part. Like you don't get euphoria just going through ego death. The euphoria part comes at the, the second stage. And um, there are two other parts. It's, I won't go into any of it. I promise it's very boring, but there are two other parts of the brain, right? And they are responsible for, for two things. One of them is responsible for our experience of time. And one of them is responsible for our experience of space. So when you go through ego death, the time shuts off. And when you go through the next stage, space shuts off. And that's when you get the euphoria. That's where you get the interconnectedness between everything in the universe and me and you. I feel no difference yeah. between you and I. That's that stage. And I've been, I went through both. I went through one and then the other. Some people will go through them simul almost simultaneously. Um, I didn't. I went through one. And then after a small period of time, I sort of 
I don't know, I guess, floated up to it without giving too much detail um, or graduated to it or, or whatever. So it's two very specific parts of the brain that are, um, that are involved. So when we say like um, time and space don't exist, when a person who's had those experiences says they don't exist, we know for a fact they don't exist because we've had that part of our brain shut off that's manufacturing that. Yeah. And then we experience the world without time or space. And we function not only just fine, but better than we ever have. Yeah. I just had that happen to me the last two weeks. Yeah. I I had like um, time and space shut off. Yeah. And where I didn't even know what day of the week it was, what day I just was going through it to go through it. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. You, you, it's like, uh, it, it just, you just see it as the construct of society. I know this be here at this time and all of these things that we completely make up and like, that's just, it's, it's gone and you're not lost. You're not confused. You're not there's no pro you function much better and you function in reality at that point. And, and, so- and you're able to get to see people that you need to see at this, that time that you need to see them because right. there's some people that are, and this has been my problem because people always go, Oh, you're always late. Da, da, da. So with certain people who are so stuck in their ego with that, and it's not working because we're not on the same wavelength, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll either be late or hyper early. So if I have to meet this person, it's really hard for me. Like I have to focus focus, focus on being on their timeline. You, oh my gosh, you just hit it. You yeah. know, I think you need to put that into your book because that's a huge thing because people go, oh, you don't respect me because you don't, you're always late or you don't come on time. No, you're on a different wavelength. Absolutely. You know? And I think you it? just nailed it by calling it a wavelength. I think so. Yeah. Because like, um, so my favorite thing that just happened was, um, sorry, I love science, but (laughs) (laughs) but so the, um, the thing that just happened, the, um, the Nobel prize that just went for quantum entanglement. Yes. I was in a quantum entanglement. Yes. Right. So it used to be that, uh, everybody agreed. Everybody agreed that, you know, the fastest point between there, the, the fastest route between point A and point B was a straight line. Right. And the fastest way you, you couldn't get there any faster than the speed of light. That was the maximum. But the fastest is no time, no space. Yep. That's the fastest. That's the fastest path between two points is no time, no space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, and it's like when you're in that state and you're drawing each other who, like you said, whoever you need to see, or even if you don't know who that person is, you don't even have to know who they are. You just know what you need. And that person coming to you, like you close that gap. It's not a question of if it's a question of how, how, right. Right. You know, And sometimes it just, when you're in flow, you know, which uh, have you ever read that book flow by, I can never say that guy's name starts with the C. Uh, I've read 
I don't remember. It's been quite some time. I right. wouldn't remember his name if you told me. But right, right. So, <laughs> and, and he kind of talks about like when you're in flow, that tends to happen. And sometimes when you're in flow, it's like boom, boom, you keep, you know, you keep hitting it and you're just like, this is super cool. Like one day I was at the Ritz Carlton and um, I was teaching a class there. And all of a sudden I made all these amazing connections, you know, it was just yeah. like, all these people are on my level that that's why. And it's like anybody I spoke to, you know, I was getting like a, a clue or a connection or, you know, an idea, yeah, whatever. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, you feel like you're high and, and, and it's just, you know, cause you're in this, uh, this sense of euphoria. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody talks about that. It kind of blows my mind. Like it is a euphoric feeling, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's not like the penultimate euphoric feeling, but it, it, there is a definite euphoria that comes with flow. And I just loved hearing you talk about it just now because yeah. it is something you can't even describe when there's uh, a give and take. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It is the most beautiful feeling like you, we can't kind of have that in our, our patriarchal society. It squashes that. But when yeah. we have, you know, like if we didn't have the whole capitalism thing and people were just helping each other to help each other. Yeah. That is the feeling. And to have people just come when you need them and you show up when they need you yes. and to have that, just that absolute flow. It's like nothing, ever. nothing feels like work. Not even the things you would normally absolutely hate and never want to do. It just feels euphoric. I thought that was, a, right. you put it perfectly. Right. Right. And, and it um, it, it's a good thing that you're talking about work because now in the nursing profession, people are like, burnout, you know, and all this like crazy stuff. Problem is there's no flow. There's no euphoria there, you know, unless it's a fun, interesting environment where everybody is give and take, uh, you know, and every, and you're working on the same wavelength, then you're not going to get burnt out, you know, uh, and you can work always and you can you can be in this amazing state but that doesn't happen there because people have various different agendas and they don't get it like you have these people that just go to work just to work and for a paycheck they don't care about what's going on they'll be the ones sitting there with the books in their heads no matter what's going on they'll just deal with it they become a doormat and it gets into their programming you know uh, and then there's other people there. They're, they're like, oh, you're always fighting. You're the complainer. You're na 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 na. You're na 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 na. You know, because they're trying to shift this uh, trajectory, or they're trying to shift this timeline into a better timeline. But yet, no one else is shifting it. But maybe they're not doing it the right way. Because I've been practicing ever since Cynthia Sue Larson came on my show, and I read her books on quantum timeline jumping to shift the energies you know, and I work with other metaphysicians and stuff in various different groups and various different people. And I'll go back and I'll be like, like someone um, where I was living was getting very aggressive with me. And, and she kept following me and she kept screaming at me. And I, you know, and so I, I went to various, I go, what's going on here? You know? And they said, well, what's going on with you? You know, cause it's like, you're creating this reality. And I was like, all right, okay, I'm going to shift it, you know, and I had to really go in 
to me because we are our own little universes, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to quantum shift, you know, and there were little things, but it wasn't like major. So I shifted it and it shut down like this person. Cause I go, I am not on her level. Cause what was mm. happening, I wasn't conscious. Like I was going through a lot of stuff myself. Like I was tired from work and I was working in a very dense environment, dense energy environment, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I was exhausted. And so if I'm not conscious, I have to be very conscious to shift that and go, this is not me not coming into my consciousness, you know, um, it kind of takes you over you know, and, um, and if you're not aware of that, so you, so once I shifted, shifted, shifted it, like, even when I go back to where I was living, I could feel I'm at it. I'm at, I'm right here. And these people are here and we're never going to see each other. Like we don't, I don't even run into these people, Mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty wild, but then it's, it's very, very interesting. And like they, like my whole story about going to CVS, I was like, how good could this get? And I saw an opening where nobody else was. There was eight people in line. So two self-checkout counters are open. (laughs) I love that story. Right, I got out and I went and I, you know, it's really about becoming conscious, you know, and maybe something yes. was there, you know, and I mean, I just needed to get out. I didn't want to wait in line. That was my whole thing. And people were like giving me dirty looks. I was like, you've been standing in line. You didn't even see that this is over here. Don't get mad at me for like, you know, going around. And I did it the other day. I went to the 99 cent store the other day and there was only one checkout lady and she's older she's a very nice lady but she's just slow and there's like 10 people again like I was just like it's not gonna happen let's shift the energy so I sat there and I was like Mm. okay how good can it get and it took a bit and I kept saying it and saying it and immediately all of a sudden a checkout lady opened up and they're like come here people and people went (laughs) and like it sped up and I was like well this is wild it's interesting to play with this energy and to see what happens. Cause Cynthia mm-hmm. Sue Larson goes, she said she does it when she goes to the post office. Cause you know, there's so many different people. It could get very dense, heavy energy. And she just starts to shift it, shift it, shift it. And, and it, you know, alleviates what's going on. We have amazing powers. The problem is nobody wants you to know about it. Right. I don't know if they, I, I don't, I don't personally subscribe to anyone's hiding it from you. I, I think it's just like, it's, it's all like the feeling that I had when I started feeling this stuff was that like, it's always been here. I yeah. just wasn't aware of it. I don't feel like anyone ever taught me not to see it. I feel like uh-huh. they were just never taught to see it. Yeah. You know, who was going to tell me? It. Right. You know, who was going to tell me? Like, I just, I lucked out and just some things fell into place. And I sort of started to notice it, it just raise my awareness, doing work on myself. Right. I just happened to kind of go like, oh, what's, you know, like at no point did I ever go like, huh, what's this gravity? It was just always yeah. there. And at some point, you know what I mean? I figured out what it was. Oh, that's why we don't go flying off the earth, you know? Right. 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 <laughs> I think so. I was doing a little bit of reading on the ego before we talked, and uh, there was a thing that I came across, and it says, "Well, the ego it, it saves you from, let's say, somebody cuts you off on the freeway, and it saves you from 
chasing them down and, and like screaming at them. I go, no, I think the ego creates that. So it's like the Absolutely. opposite, you know, because now your, your ego got hurt and we see this everywhere you go. Like, you know, people are so afraid to leave their jobs and have someone else take over. Uh Oh, you know, and it's like, eh, give it to them, you know, who cares? Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, what's that going to do? I mean, so what are some of the, um, where was my question here? Characteristics of ego dissolution. Cause I know you had that um, chart, right? With I have a whole friends. list. Yeah. That is yeah. actually, that's Maslow's list that he came up with. And like, he made a whole, he made a whole list of 16 points. Yeah. Um, sense of, what is it? A uh, sense of unity with self, uh, oneness with the environment, experience of peak power, unforcing self-determination, free of inhibition, spontaneity, purposeless creativity, timelessness, pinnacle of indivi- individuality, merging of I and other, uh, unmotivated by needs, artistic expression, sense of completion, playfulness, and surprise happenings. And we've talked about so many of them already. Yeah. Well, this I want this conversation. Yeah, I want to talk about artistic expression because yeah. I counsel a lot of teens, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I do counsel uh, some uh, young adults as well. And whenever mm-hmm. they tell their parents, I'm going to go into art or I'm going to do this, their parents immediately will shut it down you know, and say, oh, you can't make money through art, you know, and so, but artistic expression, and and, and I'll say that's not exactly true, you know, and, and I'll give them examples of stuff, you know, like I was counseling my coffee shop boyfriend, because he wants to get a second master's, and this uh, guy, one of his prof- old professors, who's a director of five departments, uh, he sent him an email, and he was like, oh, I know who you are, and um, I've been watching you and I want to, I want to talk to you. And he was just like, oh my God, he wants to talk to me. And da, da, da. I go, yeah, he might, I go, I think he wants you to be his protege. I was like, and, and he's like, you think so? But his mother is a physician. And what does she tell him? No, just go to med school. Just go to, you know, PA school. And I go, you're going to get bored. You're, you're an ideas guy. Like you like to generate like um, solutions and stuff. And it's, it's, this guy is studying stuff that he's been studying, you know? And I go, I think this is a good thing. I would go in that direction. Cause you got to think the infinite universe. Sure. You could always become a doctor and a PA later on. If you want, you're young, you know, there's tons of time for that. But this, this is, this is the, you know, where you should go, but you see how people will just shut that down. Cause they're in like ego programming, you know, mm-hmm. and then the playfulness too. Like I'm very playful. I mean, I've worked in pediatrics, you know, majority of my career. Uh, and, and I'm just like very playful, you know? And yeah. I remember when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, I, you know, make jokes. I'm very playful. I got in trouble all the time because my boss was very stuck in his ego, right? So stuck and rigid. I got put on 90 day suspensions. I got, you know, all these things. And he, it was like, as if anything I said was wrong, anything that came out of my mouth, these people were ready to shut me down, you know? And, um, so I just started getting smart, you know, um, and I started looking at that. So I started playing practical jokes on my boss and he didn't even realize it. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it was so funny. Like I would purposely get him lost and he didn't even know he was like so stuck in his ego programming. Right. And then all of a sudden he started to dress like me, which was very wild. Uh, cause I bought these specific scrubs. Someone told me they're like, go buy these scrubs. And I was like, okay. And I did. And all of a sudden he's like, where did you get those scrubs from? And I was like, oh, well, they're this, you know, so-and-so told me to buy them. I'm, they work for me, you know? And he's all like, okay. So he, then my coworker calls me, she goes, guess what happened? He told me to go to the store with him and help him buy these scrubs. I, I was just cracking up. But this mm-hmm. poor man, this poor man, you know, he ended up actually dating one of my friends while we were working together. And one of my friends calls me and he's like, I think I'm dating your boss. And I was like, oh my God. what? And he goes, yeah. I go, how did that happen? I, and he was like, oh, we met on this dating app. I go, really? I go, he doesn't even, he's not openly gay. Like, you know, nobody thinks he's gay. I told people like, oh, he's hes gay. You know, he's just closeted. And they're like, that's a lie. And I was like, no. And, and I was like, and I would be, tell people, I was like, he's dating my friend. They're like, you're lying. And I was like, I can't make this stuff up, you know, and it was just random, just the things that were happening that I totally figured him out. And it was sad because he was a child actor. Like then one day he opens up to me and cause he wanted to be like me, you know, cause I'm like playful. I'm gonna, you know, and, and he was a child actor at one point didn't happen. And, um, and I told him, I go, well, cause he was going to be on the show, like different strokes. And I go, well, it's a good thing. It didn't happen to you. Cause we saw what happened to those people. So oh, could you, Matt? Yeah. Saved by the bell. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he liked to do like this dancing thing. And, um, you know, he had all these ideas and, but he was so stuck in it. I have to be like a robot like this. Like da, da, da. It was very yeah. sad. And that's yeah. what's going on with a lot of people. And a lot of people are very envious of me, you know, cause people go, you live your life to the, I go, well, that's what we're here to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting when you were talking about, um, at work and I, I just think of people in professions like nurses or teachers, um, where, because of the way our society set up, people go through school and now they're stuck. They're stuck. It's like you were saying, they don't enjoy it and there's no flow happening in their workspace yeah. because they don't want to be there, but financially they, they have, have to. to, you know, or, you know, mom wanted me to be a doctor. So I yep. have to, and any number of pressures real or not real. I mean, it doesn't yep. even matter. It's just, if there were, if it was like, uh, you know, go out and figure out what you want to do before you commit to it, then people would be a heck of a lot better at their jobs. If we, oh my God, yes. we even choose jobs at that point. I don't, I think jobs are ridiculous, but I think jobs are think ridiculous. They're just too. absurd. Yeah. It's completely made up and there's no reason for it. And just, you know, well, what are we going to do if we don't have jobs? Well, <laughs> You know, we all help each other out. Like my neighbor needs help. I help my neighbor. It's just that simple. They didn't even have to pay me. And, you know, I I help out around my neighborhood because if people need help, you know, I pull over and help change whatever it is. And nobody paid me, you know, money doesn't have to be the motivating factor. And it's just, and it's not like, I don't know what to do with my time. I mean, and it's my time. So if I just want to lay under a tree for literally my entire life, like it's nobody's business to judge. Who cares? Yeah. Very good. Very good. You know, 
And I tell people that all the time. I was like, it's, it's really your life. You know, you only Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of time, you know, it's like, use it wisely. Like I wish someone had told me that too. And if you subscribe to we're living in a video game reality, you know, and, and, and just recently I did a reading for, I do intuitive readings for people and for fun, I did one for someone who came to help me out with the situation and I, I did pay him. Like I needed a bodyguard for a day. And, um, uh, right. because I was, like I said, in my home life, I was feeling very threat, like, and, and things were not right. And he was, um, the perfect person that I needed. You know, I told someone, this is who I need. And they're like, oh, I got him. And he sent they, he was sent to me and he needed my help, you know, yeah. which was interesting. Um, and I told him, I go, I almost think that this situation happened to me because I needed to help you. Mm-hmm. you know? And he agreed, you know, that happens a lot. Yeah. And he agreed. Yeah. And, it, and it was such a, a very interesting um, relationship. Like he uses these initials for his, his name, like his person, this um, pseudonym that he's going by now uh, because he's also going into rap music. So um, those initials I told him, I go, are my brother's initials, which is very interesting. Like my brother couldn't be f- here for me at this moment in time for what I needed, but you're here and I go and I'm helping you, you know? And um, so I did a reading for him and this, he's Haitian and um, this very interesting character came up whose name is Toussaint Leviture and he is the father of Haiti. Right. And he's a very interesting man. Um, I never, I was like, God, this guy is really interesting. He kept coming up in my consciousness and I explained him to the T I go, you know, I, I go, this guy he keeps coming up and he's, he's, um, he's dressed like a Yankee doodle guy and he has this red sash and, you know, and he has this Yankee doodle hat. He's on a horse and he keeps doing this thing, you know, and, and I go, I don't know who he is, you know? And he goes, oh yeah, that's, that's this guy. That's Toussaint. And he goes, look him up. And I did. And I was like, whoa, that's him. The, the picture in my head, I found it exactly. Except the guy in my head was riding a white horse and in on the, uh, on Google, he was riding a brown horse, you know, I was like, that's wild. And so this, this man is a very interesting man. And if you've ever thought of we're living in a video game society or video game world and you got to level up, um, he's it because he came into this life as a slave. He worked his way up you know, uh, to become this liberator in Haiti. He was even the right-hand man of Napoleon Bonaparte at one point, which was very, very interesting. So so you got to ask yourself, uh, how does one go from slavery to getting themselves to be free, to getting themselves to, you know, all these levels, mm-hmm. you know, and at one point this man, was, he was dealing with commodities, you know, he had these battalion ships and it, it was just very fascinating, you know, and, and, and stuff. And it, it was very interesting. And his life was very much like the life of this, this individual, this, my friend, you know, um, and uh, it, his life was mimicking his life, which was, was interesting. My friend had, um, he had stakes in a like truck driving business. And, and this guy, Toussaint, uh, created this um, thing with mules where he was um, delivering stuff across. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the old school truck driving. <laughs> you know? I go, this 
is wild. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was, it was very, very interesting. So, I mean, we live in a very interesting world and uh, everybody needs to take part of it. So any closing remarks that you'd like to. um, Yeah. My blood sugar's dropping. I'm realizing I need to grab something to eat. Um, Yeah. No, just thank you for having me on. This has been really fun. Yeah, really super glad fun. That we connected. Yeah, I love what you're doing. You know, keep doing it. I can't read, wait to read your book. You know, and um, good luck with that. It's awesome. So excited for you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to look into more of your stuff now. I learned yeah. a lot more about you. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, thank you for listening, nurses and hypochondriacs. Till next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We'd love it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd also love a monetary donation. You can go ahead and donate on Venmo at nurses-hypo. Links are at the show notes. If you'd like to take any of the well-written nurse writing and storytelling classes, those links are also at the end of the show notes. And we'd love it if you come and uh, learn the art of storytelling. Thanks again for listening. Till next time.